Hello, and welcome to Wives of Weirdos Fathomless, a D&D podcast set in the world of the Airlock. I'm your Dungeon Master, Darby, and joining me as always are Eddie, playing Tibble, Mitch, playing Neris, Laura, playing Rue, Joe, playing Alton, Emily, playing Cerise, and Zoe, playing Loren. Let's jump into it. So, where we last left off, the crew of the Polaris were dealing with the repercussions of some old actions of Alton's catching up to him uh, and the aftermath of the battle in the street and taking captive the, uh, the officer who was attempting to assassinate uh, the... The elf. Um, after some questioning, they found out a bit about Alton's past um, and about the very meticulous uh, boss of the officer come assassin that was hunting him down. They eventually let uh, Crow go. Um, with some discussion and some uh, dealings being made. Um, And there was a lot to do, to made about um, proper procedure on Tipple's part. Uh, Meanwhile, I believe the other major thing was talking to uh, Cerise and uh, Loren regarding uh, various things. And we return to uh, where we left, which was Rue and Neris making their way back to the ship after Neris' discussion with Loren. And a reminder to Cerise that uh, Tibble would like to finish the conversation that was interrupted. So, Rue and Eris, is there anything you want to cover on your way back to the ship? Um, <clears throat> so Neris, um and Rue were having a little bit of a conversation as they left the ship. Um, and I think after that, Neris would be quiet for probably the next four or five minutes or so. Um, before if the silence is unbroken. Yeah, Rue would be pretty quiet as well. Um, so just plodding along after, um, yeah, after, after Neris, after the, um, <laughs> Slightly tense uh, end to the conversation with um, Loren specifically, um, but they don't seem uncomfortable as they were earlier. Um, more contemplative, perhaps, is perhaps the aura you might feel around him. Um, Neris would just kind of um, plod along a little bit, kind of. Um, pull up his collar and sort of um, wrap himself up a little bit tighter to 
try and trap a little bit of warmth. Um, and is then going to look over at Rue. Do you mind if I asked you a question? Rue tilts his head to one side. Um, the sort of like uh, lights behind the uh, mask, the sort of like glasses, like sort of shutter as if they were blinking. I do not. It depends upon the question. So you might as well ask it. Then we'll find out together, I guess. How do you think that went? With your friends on the ship. With, with the Ren. With the people I, on the ship, yes. I am quite curious. It seemed to go well, as you said. There were some things revealed that perhaps would not have been. And you certainly seem to cause a bit of a stir. Was that your intention? I am never a uh, huge fan of <clears throat> poking the hornet's nest, if you will, um, it does tend to result in being stung. Yes, it can. However, sometimes I found it is necessary. If you want to learn how the hornets behave. Interesting. I think it certainly painted an interesting picture of a few different sides of Loren, at least. May I ask, then, were all your questions purely, in an academical sense, a scientific test to see how she would respond? Or do you have a particular interest in the storm of magic that was born into someone? I believe I am interested in bolts. I have a myself and the crew of the Polaris uh, before we arrived at Echeron had an encounter with sentient storm elemental creatures. I have not encountered those in the past. I do not believe the encounter went incredibly well. And it did seem to catch us all off guard. So I would like to investigate and learn as much as I can so that if there is a problem in the near future, or this is a continuing issue that seems to grow 
then I would be in a much better position to handle it. You can correct the past of viewing your own death in plane, then. In plane. That is a good and a good cause. And I can always admire gathering scientific research and evidence and hypothesis to test to prepare for the future. Interesting. You have spoken, Neris, about how you see through paths that can be taken and have visions of things that may occur. I... And then Rue kind of, like, looks to in the direction of where the ship is, um, like, where the Polaris is, is docked, whether it's in view or whether it's in the direction of where, where it is, perhaps with some clouds sort of, like, obscuring the moon as um, they look in that direction. And then they sort of, like, turn back and look at um, Nera's. And their eyes sort of, like, gleam sort of like a sort of a sea blue for a moment. Um, and again, shutter and then back into that sort of, like, bright white um, I don't dream often. I have no need for it. I don't sleep. I don't breathe. I don't eat. I don't need to dream. I rest sometimes, but sometimes the molecules and atoms of magic that comprise the crystalline workings of my core twist into a shape where I have something like a dream. When I'm at rest normally, when I seek to see how my own path is traveling, I have stones that I follow sometimes, and sometimes, well, I've been thinking about what I spoke to you earlier about the events of today, and my distaste of them. Before I left Acheron, I spoke to the stones, and I had a vision in broad daylight as I was leaving. Tibble was speaking, I did not hear him. Something clouded my vision, and I saw the underneath of an ocean deeper than I'd ever seen. But I was below it, and then... then I saw my mentor figure, Ezzet, who disappeared so, so long ago now. And I felt he was near. And then... it shifted again. And I was on a ship that I did not recognize. And I was surrounded by the crew of the Polaris. We were approaching something in the distance. I don't know what it was. And that faded, that dream during the day was gone. But it felt a little bit like a threat of the future. So I think regardless, 
Your advice is correct. Seeing how I can correct the path of others. Of the Polaris. In the future and how I can behave. To improve that and to help others. Is the path I must take currently. If only to see what that vision might mean. Be it a dream or memory of the future. Speaking, of course, to someone who seems to have some understanding of these things. And they sort of like tilt their head to one like cock like a like a bird does, which is what they do quite often. And sort of just like observe over Nera's the blank sort of stare. So Nerus is quiet for a little bit as he's kind of thinking about this. So there are not many people receive visions or images of the future and fewer still who understand their true meaning. Then it's very fortunate I've crossed your path. Perhaps. Perhaps we'll find out. Perhaps. After all, it might just be a flight of fancy, and I will come to regret this decision. But for now, there are a great many deals with people that I can help, and things to learn about people, of storms, and f- paths, and feelings, and other things. It sounds almost like you have made a decision about your future path. I think so. I think for now, as long as the Polaris will have me, I will remain. Is this something you disagree with? Or something you think is a right possible path towards the future. I, I have not... never approached things with a great deal of certainty. My mentor and the one before him were all so much better at it. But I have an insatiable curiosity. And he kind of like does like a little like like head wiggle kind of thing, which he usually does when he's like cheerful, like when we talk about the opera. You can kind of like feel it. He's he's like kind of being a bit jovial, like joking. Neris does give a very fleeting smile. Um, it is not a decision that I disagree with. Um, 
However, as I said, it is not a decision that I should be making. This is your decision to make. If you believe this is the path to your future, the one that you have seen in your vision, if that is what you wish to strive for, then by all means, take it. I am... I would be more than um, happy to assist with any future visions along with potentially trying to disentangle the prior ones you have had. I would be very pleased to do so. Uh, as I've said, it has been 18 years upon Acheron until now. And there has been many theories from my mentor and others that I have been around for much longer and possess much that is... that is... that is inaccessible to me. And perhaps some of the magic you seek may also assist in unlocking it. We shall see. But I would not be adverse. And then Rue kind of like looks at like um the ship that we may have approached by this point, and like the, the the cloud passes where the moonlight is. Um and then looks back down at like Nero's with like sort of like this like intense kind of like that that, that white blue but very intense. I hope you have a good night, Mr. Nero's. I've appreciated this walk and the observations. So have I. They have been enlightening. Good. And then Rouge just sort of nods curtly and will look at, look at, take a one long look at the Polaris and then very decisively walk back up the plank onto the ship. <laughs> All right. Um, meanwhile, Alton, what were you getting? Uh, how are you dealing with your evening? Having, having, a, having a riot, having a party. Um, Alton, uh, he would have very much, like, uh, tried to keep himself away from everyone. Um, he just would have slowly just walked back to his room, probably trying to avoid anyone's gaze, and he just looks beat he is just exhausted um he heads into his room and uh Alton's room is kind of um it's very bare bones it has very few possessions it's very much just like how it kind of came with the ship um there's probably only personal items around are there's uh medical supplies um there's some notes a little bit about and some notes in like a fantasy binder um that is all written in undercommon um and there's also maybe like one or two weapons that he's been fixing um and uh, an embroidery piece that he's working on um he'll head over to his bed and just kind of like uh 
grab some uh, medical supplies, uh, take off his shirt and uh, have a look at uh, the gunshot wounds that he's got. They're like kind of like not hurting. They haven't been hurting like too bad. They're doing decently, but they are not, they're still there. Um, I'd like to roll a medicine check to see what's going on because his max HP went down. Uh, yep, uh, that's a 21. Um, 21 is probably, uh, probably doing reasonably well. Um, but yeah, it's concerning, but you feel like it's nothing that a rest won't kind of help you to recover from. Okay. 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 You kind of like look at it and maybe like, I don't know, take a sample from the blood or something to see if you can analyze that later and then just start bandaging himself up. Um, he's also uh, a very like heavily scarred, mostly around like the torso. He's got um, like burn scarring over a fair amount of his torso and probably the odd like wounds, like the knife slashes um, quite noticeably. Um all across his right arm, he has a sleeve tattoo that is this, there's like lines of varying width that is it's just like semi abstract, but it uh, takes up like the ripples on a lake on water and that's going across his entire arm. And he probably has a, he has a couple of other like little tattoos here and there as well. Um, as he's uh, patching himself up, uh, Rat, uh, like, scuttles along, scuttles up to him from the floor. <laughs> Just like, squeak, squeak. <laughs> uh, excited to see him back. And he'll just kind of, like, probably, like, sighing from the effort, like, lean over and grab, like, um, a broccoli, the cut-up broccoli stem and feed that to him. <laughs> um, and just sit for a moment, uh, feeding Rat. And then once, after a little bit, take the noticeable effort to stand up again and start going about the room uh, with a backpack and just shoveling things in. So he's going to take, like, um, extra bit of, like, a pouch of money that he's gotten hidden, like, under a, a desk. Um, he's going to take, like, steps of clothing, um, or medical supplies, of course, more weaponry, and just shove that all into the backpack. And then he's going to go and once again, not enjoying the physical movement, um, kind of like semi like crawl under the bed and fish out from under like a broken floorboard. What looks like a, a small, like a uh, bundle. It looks like something thin that's wrapped in oil cloth. He'll take that out quickly. Have a look, look through the sheets of paper and then shove that into the backpack as well. And um, once this is all done, you're just going to like pop this within arm's reach and then finally just collapse onto the bed, just looking completely weary, just physically everything taking a huge toll on him, but also just emotionally just absolutely exhausted. And he's just going to plop down and look up the ceiling 
and with a kind of like a wry, like exasperated look in his face, just be like, this is ridiculous. (laughs) Hey, this all you're doing. (laughs) Why don't you just get on with it? I am so tired. And then he'll just roll over and try very hard to sleep as Rat kind of just nibbles away at his on some broccoli by his feet. And he has his getaway bag right by his side. And that's what Alvin will do for the evening. Um, Tibble. Is there anything in particular you're doing or just waiting for people to report back? Um, so Tibble at the moment, um, can be found in his quarters, um, along with Kara. Kara's there too. Um, but Tibble is currently sorting, um, through some things in the corner of his quarters. Probably by that point, um, you hear a like the like the kind of like heavy tread of like something because I'd like Rue isn't like because Rue is not a robot, they're an Adam doll, um, but they have a lot of mechanical pieces to them, and there's a lot of like just like clicking and like just grinding of like some kind of like stone or just like the pure raw magic that is making them exist, I suppose, um. And so you like hear the the, the the fairly heavy tread of something quite large and heavy outside the door that just sort of like just stops there for a couple of beats as if it's contemplating, and then like does one knock, and then contemplates a little bit more like in a couple of seconds, even if Tibble's running over to open the door, and then just kind of does like a long scratch of like the door, like with like that's something with like long sort of like hard. Thing fingers would do. Um, so you would hear a little bit of clambering, um, the sound of a few things sort of being shifted about um, before Tibble swings the door open um, and he looks up at you and he's like, uh, he looks a little bit frazzled. Like he was somewhat startled by um, your appearance, not like your physical appearance, but the fact that you um, actually showed up. Yeah, and very, then very quickly, kind of like withdraws his hand and like sort of just does that sort of like more gangly sort of posing that he seems to do when he's clearly appearing, trying to look more unassuming and meek. Yeah, and Tibble, um, he looks up at. Rue and he's like, ah, yes, um, Rue, my lad, apologies for um, the state of myself. Come in, come in. And he kind of shuffles you in, um, opening the door. Rue, uh, the, the, the rooms are pretty big, but Rue still stoops under like the, um, the door frame and then kind of just like looks around slowly the little lamplight eyes kind of just shuttering a bit as they look around so is this um and forgive my own memory is this the first time that rue has actually been in tibble's quarters yes i believe so 
Um, so what Rue would notice um, is a number of different things. The first thing is that all of the beds, furniture, everything in the room is about a third smaller than what you would see for the larger folk. So um, it kind of looks like a little bit of a room of miniatures where um, it almost looks like some form of museum display. Um, everything takes up a lot less room than it would. So, uh, different sections of the room are divided, um, to have more things in them than they generally would be able to fit. So the bed itself, um, is a fair bit smaller, um, only about four feet long. Um, and it's a beautiful double bed with lots of silken sheets, um, in one corner of the room, uh, you see Kara and she waves to you um, as she is standing at an easel, quite a small easel, and she's sketching um, something in charcoal that you can't quite make out. It seems like it's early stages. And you can see that um, the pads of her paws um, are dusted in soot from the charcoal, as well as some um, markings on the fur of her face where she is um, absentmindedly uh, touched at her face. And in that corner of the room, you would see a large overflowing cabinet of various things in one section. Um, there's very clearly a bunch of apothecary things. Um, in another section, there's various craft and art things. Um, and it just seems like there's a lot of different activities that are there to take up time as well as a desk where you can see she um, has a few things written down and scattered and she gives you a sort of half absent-minded wave and a soft smile. Um, in the corner across from there, you can see a desk filled with papers as well as a shelf above the desk that has various somewhat disorganised volumes of what you can see in tiny little um, calligraphied handwriting along the spine of these um, hand-bound journals, Captain's Log, written, dated with various um, years. You also see another um, wooden, almost filing cabinet style shelves where um, scrawled on the front in magical arcane writing is um, uh, reports for the Hydra. And you could most likely tell um, that that would be locked arcanically, arcanely <laughs> locked. Um, but as you follow Tibble, you see that he actually goes to the other half of the room, which is mostly empty. There's um, one larger folk size couch and another um, couch that is clearly the one that him and Kara used um, if they are ever just sitting and, you know, having breakfast in their room. Um, there's a small uh, table as well as um, what looks like a table that can be moved around to be sat in front of the big people. <laughs> 
um, couch and then tucked on the other side of the room, you see a bunch of belongings. Um, now none of these really look like they necessarily fit here, but you can see that, um, they have been put very particularly in place. So, um, everything looks like it's as safe and secure as it could be. Um, but you can see that there are some um, belongings and documents that Tibble uh, must have been in the middle of sorting out um, as you arrived and emotions for you to um, have a seat on the larger couch as he um, sits uh, on the other one that is adjacent to it in the corner. Excellent. And Rue kind of like spends quite a bit of time taking like the sort of slowest of like glances around while um Tibble's kind of gesturing and stuff and Kara like acknowledges him and um uh and they kind of sort of make really small little head movements, which you don't know really well enough to understand, but like you also know regret with birds, so <laughs> yep. Um and um he seems to have like a lot of particular interest, like um, nods at Kara and then looks beyond at the aquarium, like the apocryphal kind of like things, especially any sorts of plants that are there. Um, but then turns his head quite quickly um, to where Tibble is and then looks down at him and sort of just like approaches where Tibble is and then kind of like looks at the chairs and just sort of like just hunches back into his like um, just sort of like, crouches down to um as like as politely as he possibly can again doing that sort of thing where he sort of turns a lot of himself inwards um but he's very big my apologies it took so long to arrange the meeting i hope you're not too fatigued captain it has been a big day not at all Ru. i was um i was up anyways um and Kara was also. I would have been keeping her company even if I wasn't. But in the middle of shifting some things. And he looks a little bit somber. He looks a little bit somber as he um, says that. And when you say that, Kara kind of turns. She catches Tibble's eye um, and just uh, quickly signs something half-heartedly. And Tibble translates to you. He's like, she says not to be worried. You're not a bother. Yes. I appreciate it then. Thank you very much for your kind spirits. Well, it would be uh, quite unkind if we weren't to partake you at this hour, considering I invited you. But um, thank you. For coming, Ru. I know it's a late hour and it's been a busy day for yourself as well. Lateness doesn't really mind me. I don't need to sleep as much as you people with skin do, so. I, I suppose not. Well, skin and fur. A combination of the two. I do have skin, it's just beneath the fur. Same with Kara. Yes. yes, I have noticed what other creatures. Yes. We're we're a bit different than the the skin folk. Of course, 
Many of the people in Akarim were avian folk after all, so it is no strange to this to me. People who have less attire on their bodies or feathers or fur, I suppose, are more unusual. But everyone is good. They all have things to contribute to the world. And I am very excited to be seeing so many more. What was the meeting about? Well, uh, I've actually been wanting to catch you since this morning when I went to see uh, the Hydras. But, um, well, a lot has happened today. So I did want to cover a few things, actually. Um, I know we spoke briefly, but... You'll have to excuse um, some of the ways that I speak or that I, I may ask of you. I hope you understand that it's more so that you feel comfortable and that to help me understand. But um, I don't quite know where you stand with us after today. And that worries me, Rue, that myself or my crew may have made an impression distasteful. And I just, I'd appreciate your thoughts as true to them as you're willing to be about what happened today. And I'm happy to give you mine or answer any questions. Or if you'd rather we not talk about it, we can move on to my next point, but it would of help. Of course, if it will bring you ease, I can cover those in brief. I have spoken with Quartermaster Sosolalante about these matters. He has been very cheerful and helpful about these things. So I will cover in brief with you as well. Tibble, um, his face twitches um, in a funny sort of way way when you say cheerful in particular <laughs> but then he schools his expression a little bit <laughs> like sort of like bouncing the head to one to one side or another which is very very different to how they were regarding you before um yeah for the walk um you again can't tell if he's joking at this point either um i suppose in plain i did not agree with everything with the procedure that was upheld although i'm speaking as a doctor and not as a seafarer. I have certain assumptions about certain crew members, but I require more information to be gathered before I can understand better, I suppose. I was concerned, but I am glad that the captive was let go and was healed eventually. So, well, that I suppose, in short, I am fine. I am just still getting used to how things are being run here. And in truth, I did not see a kind light of some people. May I ask, is Alton remaining on board here? 
ไปรู้ Is he well? In which regard are you speaking? Physically, mentally, or? I would assume the answer is the same for all these things. It is sort of a rhetorical question. Do beg my strange way of speaking, I suppose. Well, I assume I, the answer is no. I guess, for my own sake, I I would like to answer for you, and I'm hoping, or rather, I'm asking, which of the crew were painted in a Harsher light, so I can perhaps shed some form of um, clarification, if not um, mm. understand where you are. Though, uh. of course, it is entirely up to you. However, um, I think Alton is a wee bit shaken, but good. I think that. Good. The trust of my crew is something that is very important to me, and Alton is new and still fresh to learning, and has been hurt before. And I'm trying to help him be able to trust again. Your kindness towards Alton is a good merit. Maybe we'll see, but it's one that I don't regret. Interesting. And thank you very much for answering this. Of course. And Rue, I I want to make it clear, and I don't know how this will paint. Me, but I don't regret what's happened today. There are some aspects that I wish had been done differently. However, I I believe that the people who I travel with, the crew that I have with me, no matter. What background others place upon them? It is their choice on how they deal with the future, and we all always have a choice. But some people aren't given the opportunity to make those choices. r u s t of like is like just um listening to this, just nodding, and their eyes just sort of like shuttering a little bit. I would much rather take the burden of the harder parts of the choice than have my crew have to go through anything more than what they already have had to. But does it change the outcome if you take the suffering onto yourself? Sometimes. Sometimes it's not my suffering to have. Sometimes it's suffering they have to have on their own, and that's fine. But sometimes suffering can be stifling, and I may look small, but I've got stronger shoulders than um, most. And I would 
much rather bear the responsibility of what may come of me putting my trust in my crew and looking out for my crew than them not be given the opportunities that they might otherwise. It is a very kind mindset to have. If a little bit self-deprecating. I, uh, a lot of people misunderstand me, uh, Mr. Friday. I think, um, I get joy from seeing my crew thrive. I don't find it self-deprecating to help them along their way, even if it means putting myself in the firing line. I have that seniority, I have that position of power, so I'm going to use it to help. Not a single one of them are lesser than me, just because they're not the captain. Nor yourself. Of course. I appreciate you explaining your thoughts on the matter. May I ask what the second question was? Was there another reason? Or was the debrief in general? Well, I guess it leads on in a way. Um, I wanted to make sure you were still comfortable with myself and with my crew after the events of today, because... um wanted to speak to you regarding the, um, well, the conversation I had with the Hydra this morning. Rude just has like a blank expression, but they're just, they seem pretty cheerful. I, um, I spoke to the Hydra and, um, I mentioned that I was bringing aboard a guest that you would be ongoing for as long as you would like, and um, also mentioned a few um, crew changes that were happening. Now, um, those crew changes you will, will learn uh, tomorrow when I announce it to the rest of the crew, but I wanted to put forward an offer, um, an offer that was pitched to me first by um, my well, superiors. But please bear in mind that um, I don't make these decisions without, at the very least, consulting with my senior officers. So this isn't a guarantee until I've spoken with them tomorrow, but I wanted to at least get your thoughts first. For the time that you're here, um, due to some rather untasteful circumstances, um, some of the junior crew, well, at least one of the junior crew are being promoted, which doesn't necessarily open up a... There is a temporary position upon board, if you'll have it. Whatever skills you're willing to bring, the Hydra are willing to hear you out and offer you an official role, if you're interested. 
No specific skills, just anything I can offer. You have two medics on board after all. I've seen you. I can cook a nice tea. (laughs) But of course your wife is good at this too, I assume. My sense of taste is very different. She, I, I mentioned it before, but she can probably teach you some of the theory behind it. But regardless, I've seen, I've seen you in a fight, Rue, and well, I've seen how you can protect others and how you come to their aid. Of course, that's what I do. And I've seen your natural. What I want to do. Well, it's what, if it's what you want, it's something you can offer. Resistance. Uh, Sia. Sia isn't the kind to leave deck. And Alton is very skilled at what he does, but can be a bit of a glass cannon. Indeed. I don't think, well, I can't speak for Alton, but I think having another medic can't hurt. You will see. Either way, Captain Tibble the Polaris, today is your lucky day. I would be delighted to join. On the provisio that if I do not agree with something, I will bring it up. Does that work well for you? Of course. I, um, I wanted to hear your thoughts before um, giving you the official onboarding, I guess. But this crew's a little different, and I suppose... There's likely aspects of what you sort today that would suggest differently, but I like my crew to be open with me. I want my crew to disagree with me sometimes. I'm here to lead, not to dictate. I want, if I ask something of my crew, for them to follow me because they trust me and because they agree with me rather than just blindly following. So I would ask you to please, if you disagree, come forward. If you're not comfortable coming forward to me, any of my senior officers would happily hear you out. Of course. I will make sure I do that in the future, if there is any problems. Wonderful. Um, And Tibble kind of scratches at his nose a little bit, and he's like, there is one other thing that I wanted to, well, show you, I guess, before, um, well, I let you retire for the evening. Yes. Until um, he kind of gets up from the smaller couch and he goes over to where some of the belongings are um, 
uh, neatly piled and goes into the sort of area of belongings that he seemed to be gently sorting. And um, he looks around and then grabs this um, silken mesh bag and it's quite large and it seems um, almost enchanted in a way, um, but you can't quite tell how. And he says, um, no, I have put these away for safekeeping and rule. I am trusting you a lot with this as these aren't mine and technically aren't mine to show you, but my previous scandalous pictures, are they? No, no, none of the sort. Um, Good. But um, and he kind of walks over, and he stands in. Right there for a moment. <laughs> he stands in front of you this time, and he probably reaches like up to the middle of your shin, uh, in front of the uh, lounge where you're sitting. And he's holding this bag. He's like, back when we were, well, at your home, there were a few items that. At the time, I recognized, but I couldn't quite put my finger on how. And then um, this evening, I was having to make some changes uh, due to some crew promotions that um, I would like to honor in the best way possible. So um, I was moving my previous bosun and master at arms, his belongings into this room. And, um, well, I guess it's easiest just to show you. And he, um, opens up the drawstring on this shimmering sort of sheer looking bag and, um, gestures for you to put your hands out. Rue looks like very like um their eyes sort of like widen a little bit um and like sort of like the dark stuff like shutters in as if they're like focusing and they stretch their long fingered clawed hand out. Um, Tibble very gently starts to pour uh, these beautiful shards of sea glass into your hands. Uh, I hope you don't mind me asking, but are you a religious sort, Rue? I don't know. Janice, he was. He prayed to, um, well, a specific ocean god. an ocean god that I believe, well, he spoke to using these. I see. Stones from the ocean floor or from somewhere else entirely. I am 
when we were in your home, I saw that you had similar. Yes, I collected some from the that have washed ashore and also from a time I too was at the bottom of the ocean. These are very interesting. They seem to have a great deal of significance. I have used mine to correct my paths, shall we say. I can't imagine what power these have. May I? You said this was a great trust you were allowing me. Am I able to observe these? I am. Um, I would very much like if you would, Ro, but um, on the proviso that please let me know what you find. Of course, as I said, I don't know if I'm a religious man, if that is a word you could use. But I will certainly let you know if something important can be gleaned from them. Hey, um, we lost Janice not too long ago. He's alive, hopefully, taken. But um, part of why I reacted so strongly today was because I didn't want to allow that to happen again. I see. And Rue's kind of like uh, claws sort of close around the um, little bag with the sea glass, just little stones in them. And their eyes kind of flash that same kind of like uh, blue green for a moment. And like just like sort of shunt between like that and like red for a second, then back to that blue green and then back to the white. I will take good care of this. And we will make sure that you do not lose another crewmate. I mean, I can lose crewmates. I'd just rather it be because they moved on themselves, not at the... I want them to have the choice, not for that choice to be taken from them. Of course. Thank you for entrusting me with this, Captain Tibble and wife. Thank you for entrusting me as your captain. Rue just like sort of just like does the little like head tilty type thing and then just like sort of turns and then looks over um, back again over where Kara keeps things. Um, you can see Kara has actually um, for a while stopped her sketching. Um, she I think you would expect her to be watching you, but instead she's watching Tibble and there's a really soft, almost sad expression on her face. And when you look at the charcoal drawing, um, you can now make it out and it's quite <laughs> tumultuous to, to, I can't say the word. 
tumultuous um, waves crashing against a boat in a storm. And it looks almost haunting, almost like it's still moving. Rude Lutton notices this for a while and so just says, a very apt drawing. I will leave you to retire. Thank you for the chat. I hope you both sleep very well tonight. Enjoy your rest. Ooh. I will. And um, Kara looks kind of surprised when you acknowledge her drawing, um, but just nods her head in acknowledgement of you and her eyes kind of snap back to you when she does that. And Rue kind of like um, will nod and then leave the cabin. Um, meanwhile, uh, many, many, many paces down the docks, uh, Loren and Cerise, is there anything that two of you are doing this evening um when uh Neris and Rue left Loren probably just like sat there glaring at the door for a bit like a chin in her hand just kind of sat there I assume Loren uh Cerise just like went well, okay, and just had a drink and went to go to bed. Uh, and uh, as, you know, Loren would have let her and she would just sat there in this room for ages. Irik, like, pouring at her arm for a bit before eventually just curling up on the table next to her and just going to sleep. She just sits there. That bastard's up to something. What is he up to? Then she's going to just get up and walk to Cerise's room and just... Captain! There is the vague murmur of voices behind the door. Not again? Where'd you find them this time? Before Cerise says, enter. At me own risk. She opens the door. And as you walk in, she's very quickly putting something away in a drawer. But there is no one with her. What can I help you with this time? I, that conversation, that, that weedy little bastard's up to something, isn't he? Of course he is. For what? He's not as smart as he thinks he is. So what does he think he's found? He was, he was asking leading questions. Right? He got me to admit that I've got I've been touched by a siren. Like well shut up, I was. Didn't tell him the whole truth, but that was correct. 
Who's to say it's anything to do with you? What do you mean? He may just want information for getting information and the fact that it gets under your skin is a bonus. Well, no, that can't be his reasoning because that's my reasoning. And if he and I have the same reasoning, that means we're on the same page and that makes me want to throw up into my mouth a little bit. Like... You're both more alike than you think. Oh, don't say that, Captain. Don't insult me while I'm having a moment. Well, you both think you're smarter than you are. Captain! Don't think I'm that smart. <clears throat> Come now. I'm good at what I do. I never said I was a genius. Why are you... What? What? Have I got something on my face? Well, yes, you've always got something on your face, but... As I said... We're just... Keeping an eye on what they're all up to. You know, pretend to be chummy for a bit. So... What if he is thinking of something, though? <laughs> Says Eirik. <laughs> Loudly in the background. What if he... Captain... What if I revealed too much and he's worked out her? How could he wor have worked that out from what little you gave? I don't know. I'm just panicking. But if he finds out about her, then we're in big trouble. I'm in big trouble. Perhaps... You need to learn to keep control of your emotions so as to not expose too much. You need to be more careful if you don't want it exposed. I have been careful. Just... You know. went for a swim. We're at port. How is that careful? I was on the other side of the ship. We're still at port. There are other ships out the other side. Well, not... Um, I know what I'm doing, Captain. I know this area. My family's not far from here. I know how to be visible only to the crew. If he's seen things he wasn't meant to see, it's because he's been poking his nose in it. And if he's been poking his nose, I need to know where. He does seem to sort to poke his nose in things. I, 
It's a wonder that thing isn't more crooked. It should have been broken by now. Maybe it's been broken so many times it's just sort of back in shape at the moment. Maybe. Though he looks the sort, if I threw a fish at him, it'd probably break his whole face. Probably shatter a, shatter a cheekbone with a sardine if propelled correctly. I mean, he does say a sardine would be too much. Kipper probably better. I probably just the bait you use to catch a kipper. That'd knock him right over. <sighs> I'm sorry, Captain. Um. It's just been a weird day. That's fair. Look, I don't want anybody leaving the ship unless expressly permitted by me. Aye, aye. We're only going to stay here for another day or two until our supplies are fully stopped. Then we're out of here. Business today. I don't like it. It's too oh, no. close. Close? We were there. Precisely. I'll let the first mate know to spread the word to the crew. Good. Captain. Hmm. When you said the Sin Seekers taking the big fella, you mean he's gone, right? If they've taken him, it means they need him for something. Hmm. So you mean I braided this stupid pointy thing into my hair for nothing? Doesn't mean he won't come back. Perhaps not in the way that some people might want. Well, no. Hate to find if he gets back. Hate to be his wife. She's probably not going to enjoy finding out about this if she hasn't already. I think it's best we be careful when we leave as well. Aye. They're getting more bold. And they're up to something. The Polaris? No, the Sin Seekers. Oh. You're not wrong. Broad daylight kidnapping from the war room of a ship? That's a pretty big deal. From what you said, at least. If they took him, 
We only saw them a few days ago. No, a week. What's what's time? But no one takes that man at night. It's too strong. Half swear he draws his power from the moon. I say we leave port. Might be time to do some investigating of our own. Carefully. You know me, Captain, on the picture of care. <laughs> I'm allowed to joke. I want all the senior officers in the meeting room in the morning. Aye. I'll send the message out. Time to plan. Oh, Captain Thunderbolt with a plan. We do love to see it. I'll let them all know. And thank you, Captain. I'll be more careful. Good. But you. We made an oath, didn't we? We don't call on her. You swear by it. I swear by it. Good. Give you my word. And I'll stick with it. Thank you. All right. I'll let you get back to whatever romance book you were reading aloud to yourself. Or was it that weirdo that lives in your head again? He finds it amusing that you think that. What, that he's a weirdo? He is. He lives in your head. I don't know his name. I don't know what he looks like. I just know he gives you your little zappy powers. <sighs> or was it funny that I think is a romance book? If I put my foot in it again, I'll just go. I'll go, actually, Captain. Have a good evening. Good night. Good night. She gives a little two-finger salute and closes the door behind her to send out all the messages she said she would and then go to sleep. Alright. So. As everyone in their respective rooms settles in for the night and finds sleep taking them. Neris. You find yourself standing in a vast desert. You hear a sound from behind you akin to a stream of sand falling below the surface. When you turn around to face the sound, you see two things. The first is a sort of dip in the sand, almost like a slow moving whirlpool. The second is a man standing on the opposite side of it. He's dressed 
darkly, predominantly in blacks, though with some hints of green. His hair, though it shows signs of once being brown, is more grey and white than it was in youth. And his face. That's where it becomes apparent who this man is. Look around you, young man. Your older self cautions you. The sands of time are running out. You are not far off the crossroads, and you must be prepared when you reach it. What must I do? That I cannot tell you. I am disrupting too much doing this. But... You will know when the time comes. Is this place familiar to us? These are the sands of time. For me, they are falling apart. That is why I am reaching out even though it would break the very seams of reality to do so. What does that matter when the seams of reality are already falling apart? I beg of you, do not fail like I did. I will not be able to do this again, though you may receive visitations from those like us studying the magics that we do there is certain consistencies uh, and certain abilities that it leads itself to but it also takes us down many paths Careful, you do not take the wrong one. Did you did you try too hard or not hard enough? don't know if I can say. It is not something that I could answer with confidence. Maybe I did too much, but maybe I did too little. I was. I will do everything that I can to give us both the future you deserved. 
My future is nothing. My reality is falling apart, but... Uh, I warn you so that yours does not suffer the same fate. There are many degrees of infinity. And while it is true that reality, that time, that timelines are infinite, there is a limit to that infinity. It is not as boundless as some would be naive to believe it to be. There are infinite possibilities within those limits. But there are only so many paths that can be taken when choices are made. does this start? It has already started. And that is where you wake up. And that is where we're going to leave it for this week. Scream. <laughs> wow. Thank wow. Wow, to ponder on that one. Yes. Thank you for listening, everyone. Thank Tell you. us your thoughts. Mm. <laughs> See you next week. Have a week. good week, everyone. Thanks, Thanks guys. Bye. Goodbye. sense of time are unraveling. <laughs> I mean, that was mint. That was when does the start? Really it already cool. has. You wake up. Said ah! you didn't. Um, said you didn't throw in a um, Days of Our Lives reference. <laughs> These are Disappointed the days in of you. Our lives. <laughs> like sands through the hourglass. Uh. <laughs> oh. So,